0: Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Jacob Fennec, welcome back to the Australian Finance Podcast, mate.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm super pumped to be
0: back. Yeah, we're talking tax. It's tax time. So it's it's wonderful to have you on the show, mate. Um, for those new listeners who aren't familiar with Jake, we spoke to him last year when we did our tax series. I've done a lot of webinars and and things like that with, with Jake over the years with personal finance and tax and where they come together. Today, we're talking about how does tax work in Australia. We're going to cover off all the essentials. And then in the next episode, we're going to go deeper with uh, 10 ways you can think about tax, you can identify some strategies for your own situation. Um, so, Jake, maybe if you can just give us a bit of a quick intro to you. What do you do at the moment? Who do you work for? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, I, I started off at PwC. I am um, currently working for Vialto Partners, which is a relative recent spin-off from PwC. Um, mm-hmm. So, we, yeah, I've been working in the tax space for 12 years now. Um, so, I mean, I really enjoy speaking. As you mentioned, we've done a few things now together, which is really cool. So, whether that be webinars with, say, sole traders, and um, even say, rideshare drivers, or um, there could be, say, even as part of our, our broader tax team, even say, CEOs and other business professionals moving overseas is another big part of my role. So, what does tax mean for them in terms of foreign income and everything else, or or vice versa coming into Australia? So, yeah, been in the tax space for a while, um, pretty passionate about it too. Um, so yeah uh, it's it's always nice to kind of um be able to talk through and, and potentially help people if they've got questions jumping on a podcast and giving some clarity at least hopefully we don't muddy the waters if we go too deep potentially <laughs> um but yeah that's that's kind of a bit about me i'm working within the air tax team as well so air tax really focuses on um simplifying tax so it's it's a a technical kind of, it's a, a web-based uh, application that you can use to file your taxes really simply. Um, it's a really good price point as well. Um, you can jump on it and even have a look at it at airtax.com.au. Um, we've got a, a tax team that's based nationally, so I'm in Melbourne, but um, other individuals are yeah, in each each state within Australia, um, and it's pretty applicable for, say, anyone that's an employee, definitely, but sole traders, um, contractors, uh, anyone with, yeah, tax. Basically within that space,
0: Mm. yeah. I noticed that you can get like income tax returns from from ninety nine dollars. They does like BAS and quarterly stuff as well. And however you do that, Um, and I noticed that that AirTax um, like does like pre filled data from the ATO, Uber, Square, AirTasker, and a bunch of other things. So this is why it's super applicable to have you on the show because I know a lot of our listeners may have their job, but then they may have some side hustle. They may have a small business or something like that. So um, simplifying all of that and doing it cost-effectively is great, mate. So why don't we just dive straight into it then? Um, so let's just cover up some essentials at the beginning of the show. So who pays tax in Australia and why?
2: Yeah, it's always an important question because um, it's never nice having tax taken from you. So you want to know what it is and where it's going. Um, mm. So basically, people are—it's tax is—is is cash effectively collected on behalf of the government. So it goes towards public goods a lot of the listeners would definitely know at least have some background but it's whether it's health Mm. whether it's education defense that's where your taxes is going road and railways even Um, so it's going to fund that usually you're paying tax if you're definitely if you're a business and you've got um, a you're in a positive cash flow position which we'll come back to so you'd be paying tax Mm -hmm. if you're an an employee um, you're earning salary and wages you're likely paying tax um, if you're even sometimes, if you're receiving, say, Centrelink payments, um, although they're government payments, you're still potentially paying tax on those as well. Um, and then the final one, probably that we see as well outside of small businesses, is investment income. So if you're someone that's got, whether it be like trust distributions, dividends, bank interest, whatever it might be, um, you're likely at least paying, depending on kind of certain thresholds as well, but paying some sort of tax on those. So it's usually relevant to a huge broad. Um, spectrum of people, um, and yeah, hopefully you've yeah you've come to terms with paying tax because it's probably something that you'll do for a while anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, death and taxes—the only two things that are <laughs> inevitable, right? Um, so we'll, we'll, I'm going to give you uh, some quick fire questions in a few moments, just around like some really simple questions. I'm sure you get all the time, including like if I earn this, blah 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 blah. Um, so the one question that I've actually found is really popular on our website, which. Um, I guess growing up in Australia and having some sort of understanding of finance, I guess I take this for granted, but how is tax paid? Like, so whether it's an individual, um, whether it's a small business, how does tax actually get paid in practice?
2: I think it, no, I think it's a really good question only because it, it, so it varies definitely say for people that are new to Australia. Um, Australia Mm -hmm. is, it's a really good tax system in a sense of um, withholdings and things which I'll I'll chat about, but um, it's, definitely different to other countries so like you said growing up we used to say part of um tax in australia is is pay as you go system Mm. which is say very similar to a u.s system or a new zealand system as well where um where you you basically you've got your gross income that you're receiving so it's your total income from your employer um and we're talking Mm -hmm. about say employees at the moment um you, get, you receive your gross income, and then in your slip, you can see that each time you're paid, um, you're actually losing a bit of your money, and that's tax that's going that the company is actually withholding on your behalf that goes towards your, your in, year-end tax bill, I suppose. Um, and that's – it's, it's. I mean, it definitely helps smooth the process. You can imagine if you didn't have that and you came to the end of the year, it would be pretty scary to actually come to file your taxes as an employee without any – you want to be pretty good at um, – Parking some of that cash, otherwise, you'd have a big liability at the end. Um, So, pay as you go taxes, I think, for employees are the most common. You've got things like installments, so PYG installments or pay as you go installments, which are different to those withholdings. And that's safe for people that have businesses or or other people that have investment income as well. Um, So, usually you have to Mm -hmm. have a couple of grand at least to start paying those installments. They're usually quarterly as well. Um, Other things you can see, like GST is another big, big tax that people. Definitely, in the whether you've got a small business or your contractor is, is relevant as well, um, and so you could be filing business activity statements um, to help pay that GST tax as well. So they're okay. usually the the um, I suppose the, the couple of main ones. The other ones that we can see, um, are say like franking credits, where your a business is paying tax on your behalf and you're claiming, say, as a shareholder via your tax return. We can come back to that too. But um, yeah, I would say that's. That's the main kind of drivers in terms of where your tax is going and how it's actually being physically paid. I suppose.
0: Yeah, makes sense. We'll come back to the investing one in a second. Um, just quickly, how much does a small business need to expect to earn to start collecting GST or register for GST?
2: Yeah, so it's I mean it's seventy five thousand so per mm. year. I think this is a really relevant point because um, sometimes what happens is there's a couple of quirks to that. Owen as well. So um, mm-hmm. I'll chat quickly to them. So one of them is if you're doing any sort of ride sharing service, you have to file business activity statements, actually pay GST from the first dollar. So, and wow. that that brings you into that system pretty quickly. Um, so that's definitely one quirk. Um, the other is when you're looking at the thresholds, and we see this all the time on, on air tax with with our clients that we're helping file their returns. Um you're, you're not factoring in income that you're earning from your salary and wages, really importantly. So, if you've got a side hustle, um, then, and you're earning, say, 30 grand from that um, to supplement your income, and you've got, say, 70 grand coming from an uh, um, employee wage type setup, so you're, you're working mm-hmm. for someone as well, you've got total income there of 100K. And so yeah. just at a high level, you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I'm over the 75k threshold in terms of income, I better start paying GST. And so really importantly, you, you, can, um, you can park the, the salary and wages that you're earning and only look at the income that you're generating from your business in terms of determining whether or not you need to pay GST. So a really important point, it's, it's pretty confusing unless you've got the lay of the land around the rules and have been doing it for a couple of years when you're new to the system. I think that one's super relevant for people.
0: So just to confirm, you would only pay the GST on the 30 grand in that example.
2: Yeah. And, and so 30 grand say if you're ride share, um, or none if you're not. So it's it's okay. that you wouldn't meet the threshold and therefore don't need to register for GST.
0: Perfect. Yep. Yeah, great. Okay. So um I guess many of our listeners would be familiar with this, but just to confirm, like what are the options when you do want to file your tax return, uh, maybe as an individual? How do you go about doing that?
2: Yeah, I think it's – so, it's evolved. So, myGov at the moment that the the ATO has actually released and people would have seen um, has been around for a couple of years now. And it is a pretty neat like kind of tech-enabled platform that you can actually go in um, and see your salary as you go. So, we we transitioned um, to single-touch payroll, which all that means – Long mm. and short is basically now employers, as you earn cash, are reporting that directly into the, the tax office. Um, and it used to be a yearly thing. It's now almost a monthly thing that, that you can actually mm. go in and see your salary being tracked in your MyGov account. Um, so if you're someone that's got a relatively simple tax profile, we'd call it. So just maybe some bank interest and um, some salary from a job. You can actually use the MyGov portal, which is free to set up, and register for, um, to go in and file your tax return pretty quickly. Um, and mm. so it's free to do. You don't get the extension, so it means that your tax return is actually you need to file by 31 October. Um, if you're using a tax agent, you can get an extension, say, through to March or May of the next year, importantly. So sometimes that's relevant for people. Um, but as I said, if you've got a simple tax profile, um, that could be an option for you. Otherwise, there's a heap of variance out there in terms of who you can actually use and what justifies kind of, so I suppose, bringing along an accountant Um to, to file that on your behalf. So if you do have, say, I would say for sole traders, particularly when they're starting out and, and finding their feet, it's probably useful to have an accountant, at least in the first instance, to, to, to help file that first return. So you make sure you're maximizing, say, your deductions, you're filing mm. GST where relevant, all that sort of stuff, um, I definitely think is, is helpful for the first year. Um, or someone that has, say, a more complex investment profile as well. So maybe that's managed trust, maybe that's family trust, maybe that's dividends, whatever it might be, I think, yeah, using an, an accountant, particularly knowing going into it, um, that any fees that you're paying are tax deductible as well. It makes it easier to swallow, I think, when you're you're kind of mm, thinking, all right, it's sure. not, if it's a couple of hundred bucks I'm paying, it's probably not the full bill at the end of the year um, that I'm actually. You, you can get some back on tax, so I think that makes it makes it a little easier. But um, yeah, there's a couple of different ways to file. I, th- I think it definitely depends on the individual themselves. So,
0: yeah. Um, so with businesses, there's typically like most people if they have a business that they think of themselves as like a sole trader or there might be a company so how do we just spoke about like filing taxes um through like mygov through air tax through seeing an accountant in person what have you um how do businesses do it then uh do they you know is there is it the same thing like once a year is it quarterly is it monthly like how does that work yeah, I, th- I think um, so
2: there's, there's, there's different ways depending on your structure, definitely. So we talked okay. about an employee. If you're just a, an employee, you can use MyGov, you can use an accountant, definitely. If you are a sole trader, it's basically like you are an employee. It's you're including income in your individual tax return. So you're not filing a separate tax return. You're looking at, say, it's salary and wages and then adding any um, business income on top of that. You've got potentially a couple of other things to think about. So you might have business activity statements for GST, like we mentioned. Um, You might have POAG installments, which are quarterly. So every three months that you're paying on investment income is another one. Um, But Mm -hmm. you're filing just the one individual return. Uh, Say you're a... There's other other things like partnerships or trusts as well. Um, They're generally ones where... You're actually then you've got an additional filing, so you might have financial statements that goes along with those. Um, But then a lot of the tax is still paid by the individual, so you can get distributions, say, from a partnership. The partnership's not physically paying the tax, but the partners, in effect, are paying that still through their individual return. But there's a couple of kind of supplementary documents, I suppose, in the background that are helping work out where those distributions and things are coming from. Um, and then the final one, and probably what I would say is the most complex, is like a full-scale corporate structure. So, you've gone ahead and, and registered your business with ASIC. Um, you're keen on kind of, there's a whole different kind of world that you're then um, jumping into around like, say, limiting your liability um, and reasons for doing so as well, that you don't get that kind of protection as a sole trader as well. So, it's not just tax that you're thinking about when you're doing something like that, but... Um, then again, it does make your I suppose, your, t- your tax filings slightly more complicated. Um, and so coming up with the right structure um, with tax as one piece of that pie is really important because sometimes people jump into it. They might have friends um, that have got a corporate structure set up and so they think, okay, one size fits all, which in the tax world as, as <laughs> in a lot of other different worlds, it, it, it really doesn't. Um, it could make complete sense for you just to file as a sole trader um, given that you're just doing a little bit of contracting work on the side um, and it's far less kind of compliance heavy and cost effective just to file that way so I think yeah there's a couple of ways depending on your structure but it's probably at least in the first instance important to get some some good advice on that as well
0: yeah yeah I would say so that's uh, really important like you, you mentioned there about companies the limited liability structure that's something that I went for when we set up our business because it's in finance um, and things can go wrong and so you want to for me personally, I wanted to limit that, um, which is really important. As much as, you know, also as the business grows and we could have shareholders and we could, you know, sell part of the company, that made a lot of sense too, where that would may have been harder for me as a sole trader. Um, okay, I'm just going to dive into a couple of examples. Unfortunately, there was one of these on the AirTax website, I didn't even know, but it was <laughs> about um, this one. This first example might be relevant to some of our listeners who do some contracting on the side or even. Um, have a job and then just do something else. So it's just a very quick scenario, mate. Um, And it goes something like this. I'm a contract designer who also has a full-time job. You know, what are typical tax deductions that I could claim?
2: Yeah, so I think, I mean, really importantly, there are different deductions that you can claim when you have a business on the side as well. Um, So a lot of the registration costs and things around, like, setting yourself up um, are definitely relevant. So keep track of those. relevant Mm -hmm. to your whatever it is you are doing. Um, So say it's a contract designer or even like an architect or whatever it might be, um, there's generally fees that you're paying that as a sole trader, they're not reimbursed like they might be as an employee. So, it's really important then that you are keeping track of those. I think um, a lot of the time as an employee, if, if they are reimbursed, you kind of don't worry about them because your employer pays for them. You can't mm. claim the your return anyway. Um, but when you are doing work on the side effectively and, and that side hustle, as we said, making sure that you're keeping track of those expenses that are at your, out of your pocket uh, are really important. Things like if you're filing business activity statements, they're also, and you're, and you're paying to do those, they're also tax deductible, really importantly. Um So I would say, yeah, set up costs. Um, I mean, you can claim all the still the same relevant um, uh, deductions like if it's like building your skills. Um, So your skill set needs to be kind of relevant to the income that you're earning, but anything in that space um, as a contractor that you're if you're going along to conferences or any additional learning that you are doing is super relevant too. Um, But, yeah, I I suppose it's like extending out um, deductions that you can claim as an employee. Um, as I said, the reimbursed kind of nature of those definitely is different as a contractor.
0: So maybe would an example be maybe so like if they, uh, he or she used say like Adobe software that they pay a subscription for, um, maybe if the company had an account, they but they had to get their own one, that would be an example of, well, maybe that's tax deductible now because I have to use that in my business.
2: Completely, completely. Um yep. And the tax term that I think we, we chatted about in the last podcast as well, but that nexus, so connection nexus, whatever you want to call it, um, yep. is basically the only important piece to that. So you have to have paid it yourself and there needs to be a connection to the income that you're earning. So contrast that, say, to um, someone using the Adobe suite to someone watching Netflix Grand Designs videos. There's a <laughs> much weaker nexus there between... Um, actually using software that you do your day-to-day job on compared to something that you may watch where you're having dinner. So I, I think yep. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a whole different way um, to kind of look at them. And, and sometimes it is is grey, which is completely fine. Um, so I think that's where like say bringing an accountant into the conversation can help. Um, or if it's a really clear one, I mean, even jumping on whether it's tax or even the ATO website is really good for free information. Um, mm. There's a lot of case studies there too. That helps to, to kind of determine, all right, um, there's even forums, discussion forums on the ATO website as well, um, which mm. are helpful too, that people have asked, hey, is this claimable? This is what I do. Does it sound okay kind of thing, which I think is, is useful.
0: Yeah, great. I'm going to give you another quick scenario, which is um, I'm a carpenter, um, which I imagine like many of our listeners are tradies of some description. Uh, What are some things I might be able to claim, but I don't know about? Has anything changed? Is there anything interesting that you come across regularly?
2: Yeah, so I I want to beat this drum a little bit because a lot of my friends are tradies (laughs) and I've helped them in the past with their taxes. And the big one that I always, um, ah, it frustrates me a little bit is around logbooks. They're, just, they're annoying. It kind of casts your mind back to when you were doing your L's, I suppose, going for <laughs> your um, doing your L's, going for your P's when um, you had to keep that yep. logbook. It's almost in effect what you're doing for tax purposes then when you're tracking it um, as an individual mm. or, or as a business. Um, and so – yeah, your logbook is—it's basically to determine the business portion of whatever expenses. For tradies, it's super relevant because they're they're carrying tools, they're moving from site to site. They're not like an employee that's just going into the office and back mm. home, which you can't claim as a travel expense. Um, and so. Doing these returns, I mean, all the time, I, we get to the end of the year and I'm like, oh, okay, so we sent you that. Like, There's, a, there's an Excel kind of document you can get a, on AirTax or there's a heap around that on online that you can basically download and for free to, to keep. Um, and mm. so, yeah, let's have a look at the logbook. Let's work out what we can claim based on all your expenses that you might be incurring in your travel and they just haven't done one. And it's pretty risky to try and just fake a business Portion because if it was ever reviewed, you you do need to actually provide like Mm. some sort of substantiation around how you've got to your business percentage. So we end up just going say with the 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 five thousand K's method, which is really and and what that is to get to for people. I mean, there's probably people that know about it, but for people that don't, it's claiming a set amount. So it's usually a bit over seventy cents you can claim for each kilometre that you're travelling when you are say as a trader going site to site. Um, But I mean, if you think about you, so you can only claim up to 5,000 Ks per year, which once again, as an employee, when you might be going to a, a client site every now and again, it's not that. It's pretty good. You can still claim all those trips. But if you are a tradie and you got, you're doing a lot of driving, mm. um, you really are selling yourself short just by using that method. So mm, I think sure. with everything like fuel prices going up, all that sort of stuff, um, the ATO hasn't really adjusted the um the seventy-two cents for a little while. So I think keeping a logbook is is the really big one for tradies that they may or may they may already know about but don't do. Um, and so that's the one that I suppose I want to highlight um, mm. yeah, today as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, do, if I was a tradie, would I have to keep my logbook? Like, would I have to fill it out every day of the year, or is it just for a few months? Or like, how how do I do this?
2: Yeah, so you only have to... It's usually a 12-week period, really importantly, um, that we suggest. Okay. So um, what I would say is pick your busiest 12 weeks that you know you're doing a lot of driving um, and you mm. can then roll that forward because that, that gives you the best deduction. Um, you don't need to do it forever. So that's the other good, really good thing um, and good point too, Alan, that it's not like a nightmare in terms of admin for yourself. <laughs> you do it for yeah. a little while yeah. and then you use it and you roll that, roll, roll that bad boy forward. So I think... Um, that's yep. that's really useful for people to know going into it um, that there is light at the end of the tunnel in terms yeah. of it shouldn't feel like you, you're casting your mind back to when you needed that set amount of hours. It's just for a period and then you can use it going forward.
0: Yeah, because I'm just thinking of some of my mates who are tradies and I think that them trying to fill out a logbook every day of the year, that'd be yeah, they'd be over it pretty quick. So, that's good. 12 Completely. weeks. Good to know. Uh, um, So, there's one... Um, Maybe I'll... We can roll this next question, Jacob, into a bit of a quick fire, which is just um, some some really short questions I've got for you. Um, as quick as you can answer these questions, which I know are very common, um, not only in our audience, but just in general, um, just to clear some things up for people. So the first quick one, which may take a little bit longer, is just can, can you explain what we mean by progressive tax system or marginal tax rates? We get that question a lot. What does that mean?
2: Definitely, and I think so we see this question all the time as well. A progressive system basically means that the more you earn, the more you pay um that's that's the bottom line what what scares people um that haven't seen a progressive system before is the way that brackets work so mm. interestingly, there's a couple of brackets um and they're they're pretty big brackets within Australia but um so like our top bracket of one hundred and eighty k um and you're paying with the Medicare levy, for instance, 47%, which is a massive tax whack. Um, so people think, okay, am I better off earning 179990 and keeping mm. under that bracket um, to make sure I'm not paying the 47%? Um, I see and, that so all the time. <laughs> and so it's interesting <laughs> within the progressive system. So all it would mean if you hit the 180 or let's call it 180 um, dollars so a dollar mm. over it, you're only paying the next bracket on that $1. It doesn't mean that all the income up until that point is now subject to that top marginal rate. And that's kind of the crux of the progressive system. It's banded. And it means that definitely the more you earn, even if you're looking at an average rate, for instance, that people are super keen that are are talking, what's my average rate for the year? It does mean that that increases, um, but it increases much slower than if you're thinking, okay, I don't want to jump into that next band because then I'm subject to all of my income at that top rate.
0: Yeah, I often hear, and it drives me insane. Jacob, people say, "Oh, yeah, no, I don't work the extra amount because then I pay more tax." Something, what? I'm like, what? Like, it's, it's like a yeah. The way I think about it is like a bucket tipping over into the next bucket, and you only pay the the forty seven percent if you earn over that amount of money. You're still making money. So anyway, uh, okay. So yeah, another one is um, uh, when do I have to pay my tax? So like, what is my deadline? I think you mentioned it earlier on.
2: There's a couple of deadlines depending on who you are and, and uh, who completes your tax. So the first one, if you're a normal employee that does their own tax, good on you. Um, that is 31 October is your due date and it's usually 21 days after that that you're due to actually physically pay any tax Um so, the ATO is pretty good at usually a refund is within a couple of weeks, 14 days. If you've got a refund with your tax return, unless there's anything funky going on and they're looking a little bit deeper, they do that all the time as well, so it shouldn't be scary. Um, it's um, usually 14 days that you get your refund or 21 days you have to pay the tax after the due date. Importantly, if you're behind in your taxes, um, don't stress. A lot of people are. I promise, um, but it means that taxes are due still 21 days from your original due date. So, okay. importantly, uh, and I know there's a quick fire question, and I've just ruined your, your scheme. <laughs> uh, but I want, to, I want to say, like uh, the the ATO, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but they're pretty good. If you explain your circumstance, even if you've got, we call it GRC or general interest charge, that has been added to your account because you're late in filing. Um, if you're helpful in providing a reason and you actually pay not inclusive of that, that GIC or interest, if you pay your liability that's owing, they're, they're likely to actually remit the interest, which is nice. So I would say that that's, a, that's an important takeaway is get your returns up to date as quick as you can, pay any liability that you uh, are owing, and then see what they can do around the interest charge.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I think this is really important for a lot of people is just communicate. Either through your accountant or through the ATO directly, right? Just just be open with them and and work work through it. Yeah, because a lot of people in that like I've been in that situation many times as a contractor because I don't withhold enough tax, and then I know that I've got to pay tax, and I'm like, oh, geez, I've got to earn more to make up for it, and whatever. And you feel like you're constantly catching up. Okay, um, so you've okay, so you've answered this question, but I'll be so we could probably answer this one really quick. Can I lodge my tax directly? If so, how do I do that?
2: Absolutely. So you can MyGov. Um, is the easiest way. It's based in Australia. Um, you, there's a heap of other tax programs out there, some free, some not. Um, but otherwise, tax tax agents are the other easy way
0: too. Yeah, I would just add here maybe just that if you do lodge a tax return directly, you may miss things. So, there is a very small chance that you may be able to claim something or look at something and that's where an expert guiding you through that really does help i know for me being a contractor it's definitely helped over the years to pay that fee to an accountant to pay more and to do it it's definitely paid off um okay so question number four which is a very common one particularly if there's like two people uh like you know you know there's a couple and one of them earns more than the other one it's this one uh if i earned under eighteen thousand dollars or thereabouts which is the lowest tax bracket uh how do do i pay tax and do i have to lodge my tax return
2: no, yeah, I agree that this is a really common question that we also see. Um, so, if it's just that you're – if you haven't had – and there's a couple of takes to this, so bear with me. Uh, the first is if you've had any tax paid during the year, so whether it be, say, withholdings or you've had franking credits or whatever it might be, even if your income's under the $18,200 in total um, for the year, you should still lodge a tax return. And the reason being is that you can usually get a lot of that tax back. So, you're leaving cash on the table with the ATO if you haven't lodged your return and you've paid any sort of tax. Even, say, another common one is if you haven't provided your TFN tax file number to the bank, they'll withhold automatically on any interest. I know interest rates are pretty low, but um, at 47%. So, you can get that tax back if you lodge a tax return. Um, so, I, I would I would caveat that, yes, if it's if you've had no tax withheld and you're under that bracket, you don't need to. Um to actually lodge a tax return. But then the other thing that you do need to do is either via MyGov or a tax agent is actually the technical term is non-lodgement advice. Um, So it's basically (laughs) just, hey, ATO, I'm either under the threshold or for whatever reason I didn't need to lodge a return this year. Um, Note that or update your system with that, please. Um, Otherwise, if you don't do that, you'll log into your MyGov or you'll, you'll go see your tax agent and you'll say, all right, you've got four years of tax returns outstanding. Um, and you've actually got yeah. messages in your MyGov, for instance, from the ATO chasing you on all of these. Um, so it's just an annoying thing to find out after the fact. So just jump in, but like I said, whether it's on MyGov or with your accountant, and actually just click through to say that you don't need to lodge a tax return for that year.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So um, yeah, so if you even if you think that you're under that amount, you don't have, you know, it's not worth claiming. Just go in there, tick the box, and say, you know, I'm. I'm okay for this year, at least it, the, the ATO knows what you're up to and they can acknowledge it on their end. Okay, so there's, many of these questions, by the way, came through from Instagram or from our Facebook group. Um, mm-hmm. This is a really, really common one, this next one, mate, is what happens if I claim something and I wasn't allowed to? Love it. Um,
2: and the first, the first piece <laughs> is don't freak out um, like a lot of people do. So I think, number one, you can always amend Usually, rule of thumb is if you claimed it ages ago, so we're talking years ago, um, more than two years really um, as a general rule, then you probably don't necessarily need to go back and amend. I mean, it's usually the review period that the ATO uses is two years. If it was a big deduction and you you are nervous about it, then I think definitely speak to a tax agent because they can kind of help you um, note whether or not you should actually go back and still amend. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, if it's something minor and it's more than two years ago, probably don't worry about it. Um, if it is then something within that two-year period and you are conscious that you do want to update it, which is a good thing for sure, um, then you can either once again use a tax agent to amend it um, or you can actually amend it on your MyGov account. Um, okay. Once again, if it's a general mistake, um, sometimes what happens is the ATO, um, they like sending these letters. They'll say, hey, Jake, um, we saw you had... 4 k worth of self-education expenses in your return. Um, other people on your income level actually had 2 k uh, mm. So why is that? Uh, and it's a lot of them are open-ended letters that don't need a response and it's just almost like a warning for next year. Um, but some of them will <laughs> ask you to actually back up the expense. And so if it's something that you can't prove, then probably letting them actually amend the return, which sometimes they'll do on your behalf anyway, um, is easy enough and you just have to pay the difference in whatever you claim to what's now owing. Um, or providing like substantiation for that deduction um, to help with their review is important too. So a couple of different ways to cut it, but bottom line is it's pretty easy to fix.
0: Okay. Um, I know a lot of people will be freaking out about that. Okay. So just for someone who is, let's say, um, PAYG works in, in an, say like an, an office or um, works somewhere, you know, where it's consistent income, um, they're thinking, oh, I. I don't even know if I can claim anything at all. What is like three really common things that you think people could consider? And they're not always for every situation, of course, um, thinking about whether it applies to them. So three deductions that may apply to employees or PAYG
2: definitely so i think the the top one that the ato has been generous in extending is if you're doing any work from home um you can claim and this is something we talked to last last podcast too but the 80 cents per hour is a really easy one mm. um it builds out like factors in heating cooling electricity all that sort of stuff that you might be like me kind of going in the office three or four days a week but still doing one day at home um, that's a really good one. It, it, I mean, it only sounds, if you're looking at it at 80 cents per hour, initially it probably sounds low, but when you're kind of looking at it over the course of the year, it can, it can definitely add up. For sure. Hundreds if not thousands of dollars, which is awesome. So I would say that one is, is definitely the best and easiest deduction. Um, mm-hmm. You don't need to substantiate. Um, you just need to keep records of, of how you got to it. So it's pretty easy to do. Um the other one would be like any sort of self-education that we spoke to um, just before around like courses or things you're you're doing and paying for um, to in the course of of whatever it is your your job is. Um, so I think even I mean I would extend that to probably the next one is professional memberships. Me being say like a, a chartered accountant, um, I'm paying that fee. If it's reimbursed, I can't claim it. If it's not, then I can. Um, so mm-hmm. keeping track of those, even union fees and things that you mightn't think it's just an annoyance, you have to pay at the time. But then, um, realistically, mm. they're all things that are super relevant to your tax. So, uh, as an employee, they're the things that I'd kind of be coming, coming back to um, to to claim it at the end of the year for sure.
0: Yeah, cool. I like them. So. Um- there's some questions here we've got maybe for like small businesses and for investors. The first one is um, more so for investors who might invest in ETFs or sh- the share market. Um, how does tax work on those things? And we can be kind of general here, just in like ha- what's some some things that they should be aware of at tax time and kind of what records do we need to keep?
2: Definitely. Um, so the first one is... Wait for your statements. So, this is what I would say. It's it's really, and and I'll elaborate on what I mean. So, basically, if you invest in, whether it's an ETF or um, it's a managed fund or it is, there's there's a heap out there in terms of how you can actually coordinate where your cash goes. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely, there should be a year-end statement that you get. And a lot of those statements are actually provided to the tax office as well um, and a link to your tax file number. So, what can be annoying is if you've kind of kept your own records and you jump the gun, you just want to get your tax return in and done and you want any refund that's due to you, and you haven't mm. actually received that tax statement, it can definitely confuse the process, even if there's minor amounts that d- differ from those statements. So, you might have tracked separately capital gains, for instance. And then when you get the statement at year end, it's slightly off and you think, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. I just pop it through. It's, mm. only, it's either you might have just said, all right, I'm paying too much tax anyway. I'll just put it through. It can be annoying then when you get your statement. And as I said, that's going to the ATO. It's something that one holds up the processing of your return. Um, and two can kind of trigger additional kind of letters and whatever else from the ATO as well asking why is there a difference. So the first piece is definitely if it is, it's usually like a couple of weeks after the end of the tax year that you should get those. Um, don't don't jump the gun and lodge in between. Definitely the first and main point for that. Um, the second is on that statement, usually it, it refers to things like franking credits and things that are, mm. are claimable on your behalf and they're the really important ones that it's um, – it can reduce the tax either that you're paying or it can actually lead to a tax refund as well. Um, so working out who you're investing in, even if it's say there's a heap of mobile apps that people love kind of that round mm. up dollars and things and, and and slowly invest over time, I think they're really cool for as a savings vehicle um, and it's an easy point of entry for investing as well. Um, but even mm. those type of things... They do issue statements and they do have capital gains or dividends and things that they're actually paying and sometimes reinvesting that you still need to be aware of when you're filing your return. Um, So there are a couple of things to think about, but I would say, yeah, definitely rely on whatever guidance you are from the fund that you're getting. Um, Match that to records. say, when you log into your MyGov account, see what you can see from the ATO's eyes, for instance. It's basically Mm -hmm. their their portal into your uh, investing life um, and try and match up in between.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah. And just for ETF investors and uh, managed fund investors, you will receive those tax statements um, after the financial year. So um, you can check with them. You can give them a call if you're a bit worried about when it comes or what, when it's due. Sometimes there's a notice put on their website to say we're sending them out at this time or something like that. Uh, okay. So the next couple of questions just on the end of the show here, um, just to be sure, in the next episode, we're gonna be talking about 10 ways to, like, to save, uh, 10 ways to maximize your tax return, basically. But these two last questions on the end of this episode are more focused on small businesses. So um, the question is, uh, and I'll quote, I run a small business as a sole trader slash contractor. Is the tax return the same for me? Now, you, I know you answered this, but this is a very common question that we get.
2: Definitely. So if you are someone that hasn't registered your business, so you you haven't, say, set up a corporate structure that I know you referred to, Owen, a little earlier. It is relatively the same. So what you're doing is in the same individual tax return at year end, if you're a sole trader or a contractor, you're disclosing any income from salary and wages plus any income from um, those additional activities that you're doing on the side. So you need to be tracking your income and expenses as well. Um, and a lot of the time, you can't necessarily directly offset all of say losses from your business against your salary and wages importantly as well. So another really common question that we get. Um, but if you haven't physically set up a separate structure, then it is pretty similar in terms of how you go about filing your return. Um, okay. Yeah, hopefully that answers. I can. I can. Yeah, it does. No, it,
0: it, yep. no, 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 that's perfect. Okay, so we're coming up to the end of the tax year, which is good for tax refunds or for just sorting out taxes. But that means the new tax year is about to start, mate. So. What are, say, two things that a small business owner could start to think about or do right now or on July 1st to make next tax year better for them?
2: So I'd say that the number one thing is keep up to date with your business activity statements if you do need to lodge them for GST. It's something that we see all the time is individuals get to the end of the next tax year and they've got all these outstanding business activity statements. And because you are in your tax return only noting income after GST, but you haven't actually paid the GST throughout the year, it makes it far more confusing than it needs to be. So if you're paying the GST as you're kind of meant to, I suppose, as you go along during the year um, and you're up to date with your business activity statements, filing your year-end tax return is just so much easier. So that's my big one. I see it (laughs) probably one every three people hasn't lodged business activity statements during the year, but may have needed to. So it's a really big one. Um, and then the other one, it's not like something overly um, out there as an idea, but definitely have a, an efficient way of managing your taxes throughout the year. So whether that's a Excel doc that you're putting your expenses in, whether it's a, a just literally like one of those file icons that you've got on your desktop and every time you are issuing an invoice to someone or you are paying an invoice yourself, you're just printing and saving it into that Dropbox, all those bits and pieces are super relevant at tax time and it's Mm. something as an accountant we kind of promote to people but it is as an individual or a small business where I mean cash is everything to you cash flow is 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 super important Mm. and if if all those things you are at the end of the year getting some sort of tax benefit from um, it makes it far easy to kind of stomach the, the the quick five second process it does to actually save them so yeah, although at the end of the year it seems like a bit of a headache to go back and trace those. If you're effectively, what I always kind of go back to people to say, all right, it might take you three hours, it might even take you five hours to go back, even if you haven't done it during the mm. year. But if that ends up saving you a grand via your tax return, you're earning two hundred bucks an hour by doing that, which is a pretty, pretty Bloody cool, ice. Ice. cool way and and a, um, a hefty kind of, yeah. Uh, tax saving for people. So invest the time either during the year or at come year end to actually go back and properly reconcile what you've earned and what you've paid.
0: Can I just ask one little final question on the end here? Um, yeah. Let's say I have a small business and um, I don't know, I take a client for a coffee. Do I have to keep the tax re- receipt for that? So, it,
2: I mean, it definitely comes down to what you're doing. If it's a coffee, uh, it's potentially, I mean, if it's just entertainment, you, you necessarily can't claim it. But for, I would say for all expenses, one, either for ATO records, if they're major expenses or for yourself in tracking them. Um, easiest way is to have a corporate credit card. <laughs> so then you're, they're all in a statement and you know, you don't even need to be printing and saving them or keeping, um, receipts necessarily if they're minor expenses. But, um, I would still say I, I still grab receipts. Maybe it's just the accountant minding me, um, that yep. helps me track at the end of the year.
0: Okay. That's great, mate. So this mm-hmm. brings us to the end of the first episode with you, uh, Jake. And um, we're, we're going to put a bunch of links in the show notes to AirTax, to the ATO website, to some RASC stuff, to the former interview that we've done or the previous interview that we, we did together. Um, so uh, be sure if you if you kind of missed anything or you need to replay or you think, oh, that applies to me, including say like the, the logbook from AirTax jump into the show notes because now is the time to get on top of this. And mate, we're going to be coming back with another episode, uh, which is going to be focused on 10 ways to save and and manage tax better, um, including, you know, hopefully maximizing the the tax refund for a lot of folks that listen to the show. So um, I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining me for this one. Uh, Super informative, mate. You always make tax fun. You got a smile on your face. I love it. Uh, Thanks for joining me on the show.
2: No, uh, thank you for having me on. It's, it's awesome. Um, And yeah, thanks to your listeners. As I said, in, try and invest a couple of, whether it's an hour or whatever it is um, during the year to upskill yourself because mm. you could save definitely at the end of the year. But yeah, pleasure chatting with you. For sure.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians.
0: to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.